Hey, don't beat yourself up. It's not your fault that you're a little girly man with balls the size of peas. <laughs> Welcome to the Category 3 Podcast, where I am here, live in the flesh, with uh, my good friend, Meet Shaw. How are you doing, Meet? Hey, I'm doing well, and I'm super excited, and a little bit terrified. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So today, we are going to be doing a Korean horror film uh, that we watched together, actually, five years ago, four or five years ago, The Wailing, and... uh, yeah, it was October. We're recording this a little bit later, but I wanted to maybe bring on a good time for a horror film, uh, which I know you're not like the biggest horror film fan. So, um, kind of a. I'm I, not like I think I, I know that South Korean films are famous for certain kinds of horror films, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen any of them. I. Like back when Drudge and all those movies were famous in the U.S., like I imagine. Grudge is like the U.S. remake. So, so that's Japanese, Korean. actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. All so, right. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. I'm just not familiar with horror films in general. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That just shows my ignorance right there. Yeah, I mean, Korea certainly does have a handful of horror films um, that have kind of taken a hold in the U.S. And interestingly, this film um, was released kind of at the same time as one that's maybe the most popular or towards the most popular. Um, films sort of South Korean horrors internationally. A Train to Busan. Have you seen that film? A Train to Busan. No, I haven't. Okay, okay. It's kind of like a zombie film, and the premise is basically like they get on a train from Seoul to Busan, which is kind of just like going across the country. Uh-huh. And in that time, there's like a zombie outbreak, basically. And so it's far more of like a uh, hour and a half, hour and forty minutes, like zombie uh, flick, uh, very tight structure compared to this film but came out the same time as this movie um uh, so it's kind of interesting just the differences between these two productions Uh um yeah so anyways yeah uh, before we get a little too sidetracked there so the wailing um this is a very complicated movie uh here is the very short synopsis i grabbed from uh wikipedia uh, suspicion leads to hysteria when rural villagers link a series of brutal murders to the arrival of a mysterious stranger How's yeah. that? How's that as far as a synopsis? That's that's quite good. Like it tells me, you know, it tells me that like no one is safe, you know, and um, yeah, hysteria is very true. It goes pretty crazy, and it dials up to eleven pretty quickly in the movie. And so, right. you know, hysteria is probably a really great word to to describe this. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, this is a hard movie to yeah. like synopsize like that. Yeah. So I agree. This, this kind of leaves a lot of mysteria. It's mysteriousness mm-hmm. to it. Um, it's not inaccurate at all. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you're right. This film has a lot of stuff going on with it. It's like almost. I've seen other people make this comparison, but it's like a bunch of different types of horror films going at the same time. It's like mm-hmm. it's an, an exorcist movie. There's mm-hmm. a fucking zombie at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. Is it is it like just a supernatural like devil uh, horror movie? Mm-hmm. Um, 
or is it like a serial killer movie because people are doing it? Could it be a virus movie? It could be all of these things and it's just sort of wrapped up uh, into this thing where it's like, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know it's a supernatural horror, but that's not terribly descriptive on its own either. That's um, true. Would you say that there's a... like? And I wasn't really aware of this until recently, so when we watched it the first time, but would you say there's a like a race component involved in here? Because the stranger's supposed to be Japanese too, right? And so... <clears throat> and the the Korean Japanese South Korean Japanese relations relations have been tense for reasons I am not very <laughs> well uh, knowledgeable about, obviously. But yeah, Korea and Japan have just historically had a lot of issues, uh, as is the case of like a lot of those neighboring countries: Korea, Japan, China. Korea has basically like been occupied uh, by Japan until like the end of uh, World War Two, wow. and by China. So like okay. there's not um, they're both at this point. South Korea and Japan are in like liberal democracies, so on paper allies, but uh, they uh, certainly have plenty of squabbles. They're both also very um, homogenous countries, uh, Korea and Japan. So mm -hmm. mostly it's like Japan is like ninety nine percent Japanese. There's very few immigrants and stuff that go there, uh, and Korea is similar. Uh, there's not a lot of like people that will like like in the, we're here in the U.S. and it's like we're a very diverse society with people coming from all around the globe uh, mm -hmm. to come here and both of those societies are there so there's like a natural xenophobia and mm -hmm. it d certainly is part of that sort of dynamic that I think is pretty important in this film it's like is it this Japanese outsider mm -hmm. or are these people in this rural village who are not necessarily going to be like who if this was in America would definitely be like Trump voters or something like that it's yeah. like is it like the natural xenophobia that like these sort of like bumpkins are having and so uh, I, I I mean, I, th I think you're onto something. With, like, uh, kind of like as somebody who watched it without that context, I still thought that this was an amazing film. Mm -hmm. But maybe we should explore whether or not, and I don't know if we, we necessarily will come to a good conclusion, but I, I wonder if, like, knowing a little bit more, would you say that this exacerbates the xenophobia or if it's just, like, you shouldn't really connect the two or it, does it actually help? like reduce the xenophobia in the countries right so like, it's like interesting this is a film or, or this uh... is a film i guess like the the way it's portrayed and like i feel like i feel like it's trying to make some sort of commentary about xenophobia but then like the ending totally subverts that <laughs> expectation too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so i don't know yeah or, I... or maybe we just don't discuss this because it's a very loaded topic it, it is a very loaded topic we can touch on it briefly i think but uh yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I remember reading some sort of a piece when this came out and how I was kind of disappointed that in the end, the foreigner and the Japanese person did turn out to be the devil. To be honest, and maybe we'll get into this later, it's like, I'm not, I'm still like a little hazy on everything that happens and like who yeah. is bad, at what point are they bad, is like, are yeah. different people possessed? Um, yep. So yeah, we should talk about that. There's a, <laughs> there's definitely things that are unclear and up to interpretation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, let, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. So this film, um, it was budgeted at eight million dollars, which is a lot for a Korean movie. Um, gross fifty one point three. Uh, so pretty darn successful. Um, it was wow. no, uh, nominated for thirteen Blue Dragons. Eight million doesn't feel like a high budget. Eight million is, uh, yeah. It's I mean, amazing. eight million for an American film is pretty low budget, but for yeah. a Korean production, uh, it's 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 probably one of the higher budgeted films of the year. 
That's amazing. Uh, 13 Blue Dragons, which are their equivalent of the Oscars or Academy Awards. It won Best Director and Supporting Actor, who was uh, Kunimura Jun, the Japanese person. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Uh, For a supporting actor, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it actually lost to uh, Inside Men, which I think we also watched watched together which is okay. a, a uh, film about a bunch of like corrupt uh, politicians and has oh. a it has a scene with a bunch of naked old people like uh, <laughs> running around. I was about to say that I really like that movie but not after what you just the way you described it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, but I it was a very interesting movie uh, we should watch it at some point again. yeah 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 I, I that's uh, another film I have not seen um, since the time of its release and I, and I remember watching you watching it together right? yeah right around that same era i enjoyed that film too i do think i i think this is a somewhat better film korean screen which is a website dedicated to korean films uh had a list of the best korean films of uh, horror films of all time this was listed number one so it is well thought of uh, amongst sort of like the people uh that are fans of korean cinema uh it was also ranked number 12 all time as far as korean films so pretty high reput- uh, reputation here this was your rewatch. Uh, how did you like this film uh, the first time and the second time? I really liked it the both times. And it terrified me, despite knowing what was going to happen <laughs> the second time. Um, and I, I was actually able to connect a lot more dots, too. So a lot of, like, uh, the girl in the white mm-hmm. uh, part of the plot just confused the heck out of me the first time. And it's still... There are bits about her that still confuse me, but uh, I think I'm a lot more clearer in, in a, like a bigger picture of, of things. Um, there are bits in the plots that confuse me, but um, I think I also feel like it's not just a horror film, right? Like it's a it's a it from a bigger um, genre level. Yes, it's a horror film, but I don't think you can just go about calling it a, a standard horror film right like it develops characters pretty well it it has humor it has um i connected with the characters so much better rather than just being terrified right uh, as most american horror films are so yeah it, i mean first of all it's much longer we were discussing that earlier oh, it's, yeah. it's two and a half hours so this is a pretty long a film. horror epic if anything and uh yeah i mean and it uses that extra time to sort of develop characters and stuff like that which i mean i think especially when it comes to our lead character uh who is uh jonggu uh uh, he's very well developed as well as um like his daughter and his family and so like we really can like sort of sympathize with his struggle and we're definitely sort of he's sort of like our conduit uh to the pot so we're seeing stuff mainly through his lens right. and uh, uh, he's very confused throughout the film as, as are uh, we the audience um, yeah I mean I, I agree it's like it's interesting this is definitely a film that uh, is interesting to rewatch because there's so many clues and stuff like that built in like I think the first time I saw this film I don't know that I realized that the person throwing rocks at the beginning was the woman in white and so rewatching it and knowing that the woman in white is significant uh, you're able to be like, oh, I wonder why mm-hmm. she's throwing rocks. And I still don't know why she was throwing rocks. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, <laughs> but I'm at least able to put uh, two and two characters together uh, mm-hmm. to, to sort of figure it out, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You, you start like realizing a lot of what she's saying 
starts to like it starts to make sense mm-hmm. the second time around for sure. So it's really good rewatchable, I think, despite knowing the plot and like how it will turn out. Yeah. Um, would you recommend this film to anyone? Oh, absolutely. I just said it's a great rewatch. So okay, clearly, <laughs> like it's a it's an even better first watch. But yeah, like I think it just sweetens things up the second time around. Yeah, and it still scared the crap out of me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did you feel the same way? Were you scared the second <clears throat> time around, or so, either either of those times? So I when the first time I watched it around, I was definitely pretty scared. Okay. Uh, because part of it is too, I wasn't watching a lot of horror films at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I'm actually in a place where I'm watching a fair amount more horror films, yeah. which makes it a little bit less scary, but it also makes me appreciate more how this film is different um, in so many ways than horror films, uh, than your more standard American or just, I don't know, horror films in general, mm-hmm. which tend to be much shorter, like being two and a half hours, this is definitely like in like the... 95th or 96th percentile as far as like length goes there's just like not that many long horror films they tend to be like 90 minutes we're gonna do this mm-hmm. clear act structure um we'll get you in we'll get you out um so yeah i mean maybe this is a good jumping off point how do you feel about the length do you think this film is the right length uh would you make it shorter would you make it longer i had a tough time like from personal standpoint i had a tough time finding the time mm-hmm. but like from the film itself, it's really well built, right? Like it makes you care for the characters. It like loops you in rather than just carrying you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a more cerebral experience when you go out and like when you're done with the film, like it's kind of in your thought process as opposed to you just forgetting about um, kind of other standard horror films. And and again, my experience has been mostly with American horror films. Right, even right. that at a very low level, but generally I feel like I don't tend to care for the characters, and the way like, the way they develop the Junggu's family and people around him, is really good. Like even from the start of the get go, they don't just, they didn't just take him to the scene of the crime, but they actually, tell him to well have lunch for or have some food before you leave, and you kind of, get to know his entire family before he leaves. And that's very critical in developing Junggu as a character and his family and his daughter, especially his relationship that that we have. Right, right. Because that really is the. I feel like that's really very central to the plot, especially the second half of the plot. Yeah, 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 for sure. And especially his relationship with his daughter, who they kind of have a very nice relationship early on in the film, mm-hmm. and then when and then it makes it so when she makes that sort of transformation to being. I don't know if she's possessed, possessed or or whatever we'll call it possessed uh, for the sake of simplicity um it makes it more sad uh and like poignant when she like she's like we immediately know something's wrong because you just see her like eating all the fish which apparently she doesn't even like mm-hmm. and uh she's just uh and she starts swearing and stuff like that yeah. which is something that you know we've seen before in horror movies that's like what happens in like the exorcist, exorcist right? yeah it's like regan uh the daughter there she starts she basically becomes very unhinged and and stuff like that and so we see something similar in this but it also makes it kind of sad because we do have sort of like that before and after Mm -hmm. which is really a sweet relationship um and then uh and then it takes a very dark turn yeah Uh, i mean like this is a film where people that get sort of like i don't know virus is the right word but they catch the thing they have the rashes and then they kill their whole fucking family uh basically yep and it's super dark and korean films are not known to shy away from the darkness at all. And this yeah. film leans into it too, 
because pretty hard. It is like literally a twelve-year-old yeah. girl or eleven-year-old girl that is the one that gets it, it and is going to kill the whole family, uh, and yeah. that's pretty disturbing. I mean, just yeah. as a concept. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, the the way they do the makeup and everything and the goriness is also it doesn't feel like it's just there for the thrill of the blood, but it definitely like leans into it in a way that it shows seriousness of the affliction that people are going through, right? Like it, that visual effect has a, like, I think to me it gives a very good idea in my mind of like, wow, this is pretty terrifying what's happening. Um, that's a, like, yeah, just kind of closing out the, the original question. I think the length is, given that I am in, at a place in my life, it's tough, but I think the length is perfect. And I think it's very well worth it in the way they developed the story. Uh, yeah. Even the ending, we'll talk about that a little bit in a little bit. But the way they, like I, that sequence is is fairly long of the the priest or the pastor kind of going through to find the stranger, and but the way it 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 kind of exposes itself or it kind it of opens off. up, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I I think in particular that last. 20 minutes, I would not change a single thing with, yeah. with how it does it. Yeah. Um, with the length, I am slightly conflicted. On one hand, I do think it probably could cut a little bit. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I don't know what I would cut because a lot of it is just really well done. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I think the length really does do provide, and maybe I can speak to this more because I've watched more horror films, is like you get kind of get used to the structure of horror films. It's like, okay, it's like we're, we're doing like this three-act structure mm -hmm. and it's like, every 30 minutes it's like it kind of shifts and it's like you build up to like this very natural climax but having a horror film that's not a little bit longer but a lot longer like a full hour longer than your average horror film it means that you're just a little bit off balance uh, mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing because you're not sure what's going to happen it's like you don't really know like there are many moments in here which could be sort of the climax because they're so tense it's like when they go like each time they go up to the japanese person's place mm -hmm. it's like it's a very exciting tense scene mm -hmm. and it's almost like you could restructure that to be sort of the end if you don't know what's coming so it sort of just builds and builds and builds and you just don't know where it can go because it's just tossing so many different stuff at you. All of a sudden, there's an exorcism. Mm -hmm. You don't know who's good. You don't know who's bad. And all of a sudden, he has to make a choice, an, an almost impossible choice, before yeah. like the rooster caused like three times. Yeah. And so it's just like <clears throat> you're just like kind of enthralled, and you just like you just don't know what's going to happen next. And I I really appreciated that um, about the this film. Um, I think on this rewatch. Yeah. 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 I yeah I agree. Um, okay, uh, so let's see. Uh, we can talk a little bit um, about uh, let's let's talk about the lead since we've been talking about him already. Uh, played by Kwok Do Wan, mm -hmm. a really interesting choice for a lead performer. What what did you make of him? I mean, he's just like not very traditionally handsome uh, leading man, you know. Yeah, is the first <laughs> thing the very first thing you see him is uh, I think he's putting on his outfit. And the first thing you see is his belly hanging out from under his shirt. Yeah. Uh, as after he wakes up, like after the call, right? And you're like, wow, this is the this is the cop, right? Like this is the, and this is gonna be the lead detective on 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 the case or whatever. Like they don't officially tag him as a lead detective, but you clearly see that he's he's the one. Um, 
and uh, he's also he does a really great job of like showing uh, both the strength and the weakness in different points like stranger that we know is supposed to be a really terrifying person and he's still like you see him at points where he confronts the guy and just like you know strutting out his chest and going like I'm gonna fuck you up old man and on the other hand like when he's interacting with his daughter and it's just like he's a little he's a little kitten mm-hmm. and like he's it's just amazing the duality of of the character that he 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 plays and like I think he's an amazing actor and does a really great job like to 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 cast somebody like that it's perfect I don't even know who obviously we can't do I don't know if I'm I'm definitely not knowledgeable enough to do a recasting couch, but just a great, great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have in my notes, it's almost like they cast, like, Kevin James or whatever as, like, a very serious role where he has to, like, do all this different stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just, like, it's it's just a very unusual choice to choose him. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Memories of Murder, where we have mm-hmm. sort of, like, that bumpcony detective... But, you know, in retrospect, that bumpkin-y detective in Memories of Murder is played by Song Gong-ho, which is, like, a really amazing, very acclaimed actor. And uh, this guy, Kwok Do-wan... Um, hasn't done a whole lot of stuff, right? Yeah, like he's... 20 or so movies? Yeah, he's normally, like, a character actor. Uh, he's He has, like, more minor roles, typically. Um, or at least, uh, that's my understanding of his sort of fame. And But he's good. It's, like, his character, it's, like he has to do a lot it's like kind of you I think you summed it up pretty well he you need to care about his relationship with his daughter but he's got to be somewhat incompetent but not incompetent enough that it's like super frustrating and somehow he manages to do all those things where it's like we sort of see it through his lens and uh you know his incompetence is probably the most obvious at the beginning where it's clear he's in over his head he's like He's getting jumped by like uh, like this woman with like her face just covered with soot, yeah. um, and it's kind of funny, but also it's like we have no faith in this guy to like yeah. go up against like literally like the devil uh, in this film. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's a really good performance. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what about um, the daughter? How how did you find her? Daughter was amazing. I think. Um... She was, what was I trying to think? Like, I think, like, for somebody so young, she was able to play, like, a confident person really well. And she has to do a lot of different kind of things. Obviously, like, there's a scene sort of near the beginning where she catches her parents having intercourse. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. And their conversation without actually saying about things to, to talk about it. I think she was she was great. Uh and then she has to hurl a lot of profanity, and she, yeah, yeah, yeah. she does that pretty well while sc- screaming at yeah at her father. Because father. this film goes for it so so much, I'm almost surprised they didn't use the "Your mother sucks cocks in hell" line. Yeah, <laughs> the exorcist line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she doesn't ever get to do the devil voice or anything like that, right? But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I thought she was great too. Um, she's a good chemistry with her dad uh, in this film, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's like she plays the disturbed person uh, really well too. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like you mentioned this earlier, like the blood and some of the, like the design of people. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it's like there's 
you, at certain points in the film, you see these people that have been, like basically been infected and killed their family. Mm-hmm. And they just have like this super glazed, stoned out look. Yep. Uh, that looks like they had too much edibles, but it's just like they're there's just like blood everywhere and stuff like that. Yep. And they almost look dead. Yeah. Uh, and I guess they're just dead inside, but uh, yeah. it's very disturbing. And like that's how the film ends with like the daughter having that look. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, they almost show like she's going to die, but then uh, even that part's pretty intense, right? Like we're right in the middle where they're doing the exorcism and she's just screaming out. And um, the way she's able to even play that bit, how with like screaming, it can come kind of easy being mad at somebody. And then like, I think like being a, like obviously they're they're good uh, acting bits, but like the the physicality that she shows as she goes through the really really horrifying like possession or whatever is is even more I think uh, uh, amazing that she plays so well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great scene to highlight too because yeah. that's sort of like a different uh, scene. And actually, I think that scene, I, it's probably between that scene and the finale that are like my favorites of the film. Right. Um, that film, that that's the point where I'm starting to get a, like a little tired of the way the plot is going. And so mm-hmm. having like the exorcist in there and like literally just like bring this insane visceral energy to the plot sort of uh-huh. invigorates it. So maybe it's a good time to talk about um, the exorcism scene because yeah, I, I really like this scene. Um, you, do you have any thoughts on uh, exorcism scene? Uh, let's see, I can sort of describe it if you want. Um. I mean, yeah, I watched it just yesterday, so I know. Mm-hmm. Like, like we see the scene cutting back and forth between two different places. Uh, and I think... So what I... Like, I also had to read up on this a little bit, but it seems like the director on purpose made it seem like those two are, things are related, but they're not quite. And... Um, but what did you think about it, actually? Oh, I, I didn't read that. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say after I say this. But I, I mean, I really liked it. I thought that, so it's cross-cutting. Uh, there's a lot going on. We're cross-cutting yep. between like the exorcist uh, and the girl. Uh, and yep. so it seems like what he's doing is working. Um, yep. Although we can call that into question later. Mm-hmm. Um, and like getting rid of like the possession of her. Um, we see the Japanese person. Um, and there's like this series of Cantonese films, Hong Kong films in like the 80s, where they like ha- all have altars and they're like having an altar off where they're doing something very similar to this. And they're basically like trying to beat each other at like this like basically magic battle. And so something similar is going on here where the- everyone's killing chickens, they're like killing goats and stuff. There's like lots of drumming going on. It almost has like this feeling of like this crazy rural rave of like exorcist stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's like just drum beats and drum beats and we're also even cross-cutting to the woman in white who seems to be up to something that we're not really sure what at that point uh but she seems to be paying attention to the japanese man in particular um and so she comes at the very end right or do they show her throughout they show her throughout it's not a lot but they do show her throughout but yeah she especially comes at the end and the scene is set up at the beginning where the shaman basically saying yeah, this is going to be tough. Just don't interrupt me or things could get worse. Right. And so you're like, okay, don't interrupt her. Don't interrupt even though the daughter's in pain. So you have like this crazy conflict going on where you see the daughter who's in like... Extreme excruciating pain. Exactly. And 
and you're like, yeah, yeah, keep going, keep going. We we got to get rid of this. Yep. Um, but uh, but you also are conflicted because you don't want the daughter to be in pain. So you really, the film does a very good job yep. where you're just sort of seeing it through the parents. Lens. The father running in and going like, oh my god, she's in extreme extreme pain. Right, yeah. right. And then at the end, it's like he does finally interrupt it and like yeah. basically knock over uh, the the um, the. So the what do you table. make out of that scene? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess this film is like, it, it speaks to the quality of it that I'm not still totally sure. I know exactly what happens at points, but I'm not totally sure uh, who's on whose side at this point. So the way, the way I think they explain it is, um, the, the, let's talk about like how the, the, not necessarily the stranger, but the demon, mm-hmm. um, the Ilguang, uh, the shaman, mm-hmm. and uh, how they how do they do their things, and and how do they kind of, uh, what's their process like, and do you agree that they're kind of they're connected and they they're connected as in they're they know each other and they're uh, working together to actually, uh, you know, collect souls of people essentially. So you're talking about the shaman and the Japanese guy? Yes. Okay. That's what the ending certainly implies. Yeah. Which means what is going on in the exorcism scene. What, tell me your interpretation. So shaman is actually working with the Japanese guy or the demon. Mm-hmm. And so what, what he's trying to do is uh, he's, he comes in and he gets the, like, the way he quickly calls out the the soy saw the soy um, pot and that there's a dead bird in there apparently it's supposed to be uh, put in there by the woman in white to protect the family oh and okay. so uh, we see this in the beginning too at the hints that the uh, when Junggu uh, Junggu goes in to as a detective to the second home. And he sees the the shrubs or the beads of the flowers all withered away, and so those are again supposed to be there, put there by the woman in white to protect the family. Interesting. And so, what we what we get hints of over and over again is that the shaman comes in and undoes what the woman in white's supposed to do, and so shaman has been roped into the demon's kind of. Uh, plan to possess and collect souls of people and so the way he does it is supposed to be like he possesses them by collecting something of theirs and like in in Hyojin's case he gets her shoe right and then curses the like puts a hex on the shoe and that's how he he possesses her uh-huh um, so so at this point does the shaman know he is sided with the devil basically yeah he's always sh- okay. sided with the devil because uh, at this point, they've I think they've already come to the stranger's place twice, mm-hmm. and so the second time we see that he's lost all his pictures. They've all gone, and he said that he's burned them. But we right. could, we the know they really saw the shaman, shaman, right? Yeah. So and shaman has the camera and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so they they are together, and they've been together. In fact, shaman's facilitating. Uh, the devil's. Uh, so what is it that agenda. is hurting the Japanese guy at that point? So that's the thing. Is anything actually hurting the Japanese guy? 
So what the Japanese guy, what is he doing actually? And whose picture does he have? And why does he do what he's doing? So Japanese guy has been confronted twice at this point by uh, these people. Uh And clearly we know at that point that he is the devil. Uh, or he is right, we, possessed we, or something, right? We, we see rumor, him with like the red eyes yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. And then the rumors say that he's supposed to be a monk and a professor. So I think the suggestion is that he was a normal Japanese person who who might have been helping kind of like the shaman to do exorcisms or like somehow helping people who were possessed, but then got possessed himself. And so the possessed spirit is now trying to transfer themselves to another person so that they don't get suspected so or they kind of leave the suspect suspicion so they they try to go to the nearest person that they have they take their picture and then they try to do the transfer themselves i see so it just it looks like what's happening in parallel and 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 is connected the possession that happens to the girl is actually they're trying to complete the possession and kill the girl. So see how the very first person who's like leaning at the pole, very first house that they go and the guy who's the farmer who's killed his wife and family Mm -hmm, and stuff. mm -hmm. So the idea is like you kill the, you possess and kill the family and then you kill the person who has been possessed and collect their soul. Okay. And we see that happening throughout the film where it's like that pattern happens. The person might be in the hospital or something and then they die. They die. Yeah. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like an old Indian story where like two uh, demons are supposed to, uh, they're, they're evil. And then there are monks who are supposed to be good and positive and they can't just, they don't just want to kill these monks, but they actually want to, uh, uh, take away their innocence or morality and then kill them. And so what the demons do is they have these secret power where they can cut each other up, mm. chop each other up, and and then turn into meat, and then they can reassemble themselves. Hmm. And so what they do is they chop each other up and then feed to the monks as they invite them, uh, as the monks are the travelers on their path. This is completely separate from the uh-huh. movie. And then, so they take away their innocence and then they kill them. And so like these monks who have been vegetarian and not eating, partaking in meat and stuff, they feed them meat. And then they call, the demon one calls the other demon and the other demon reassembles himself in the process, tearing out of the the monk's stomach. I see. So So, you kind of corrupt them and then uh, you kill, corrupt and then kill. Yeah, so they're they're forcing the. It seems like the demon is forcing the one of the cursed possessed person to do okay. all the bad things, and only then kill them. So until until the killing happens, the demon just doesn't kill the the possessed person. Okay. So in and retrospect, so, it was actually kind of good that they interrupted her. Exactly, because if you think about like the the moment that the cop decides to stop is when. He sees like a really edged piece of her bone sticking out of her body, the daughter's uh-huh. body. And so he sees the exact same sign when he sees the very first person right, right, dying right. in the hospital. And I so, see. So he was actually wise there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So like the... That makes sense actually. Yeah. Yeah. So 
It was very interesting. Like I wasn't able to connect the dots the first time, uh-huh. and even the second time it made sense. But I had to, I had to kind of research and okay. like it's it's spelled out very well on the internet, yeah. and so like it helps. So just letting you know, I killed a pigeon and put it in your basement. It's pigeons it's are your, okay. It's, it's, it's your protection. I still, I don't think you still realize it's the it's the chickens that are bad. Doesn't matter white or black. Okay, roosters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I put a crow in your basement. For your protection. There we go. Crows it's, are it's good. Dead. Don't don't get rid of it. Crows are good. She, <laughs> the the girl puts the raven, so they're kind of like crows, I guess, ish. Uh huh. There we go. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you for that research. That's actually very valuable information, and that makes that adds a lot of Does context that, to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it kind of shows you also how well thought out some of this stuff is. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a really on purpose misdirection by the yeah by the director and like. That's what really confuses you, right? Like, the moment, like, I, in my first watch, was like, oh, man, I'm with Shaman. The way he, like, instantly figures out everything, the confidence they show yeah, is amazing. But then they gradually make him weirder and weirder, right? Like, he just instantly gets naked, half-naked in front of the father. And then, like, um, and then he does, like, the, his ritual uh-huh. It seems like he's enjoying this, like the shaman is enjoying the ritual. Right, right. And and didn't seem like a place where you like dance and laugh and, and do that kind of stuff, right? But it makes it seem like it's working. But what's working is the the demon or or this possession transferring themselves from right. the Japanese person to the the guy in the van. Interesting. And I mean it also and, kinda shows you like the power of this scene that it's like you could see it both ways yeah. and like the interpretations are and and the implications are just totally different uh, depending yeah. on uh, how you see it i mean i'm sure your way is correct because once we know that the shaman and the uh, japanese guy are in league with each other basically yeah 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 and then actually if you if you go to the sequences after that right like one of my favorite sequence is when five or six people go up to the hill to confront the stranger yeah and what happens then is is hilarious terrifying and it makes sense once you know what's happening with the japanese what's happening with the japanese person during the exorcism sequence uh-huh uh-huh and that's why the girl keeps watching him uh because she kind of the girl in white kind of realizes like he's not the devil during that period so he becomes unpossessed and yeah. then uh, repossessed at the end. So that's the the repossession part is what they what just is never clear, and so we can talk more about that. And my confusion there. Okay, because it doesn't actually show that part, so it had yeah. to have happened off screen or something like that. So sort he of. becomes unpossessed during that ritual, then the the exorcism. That's my take because. Okay. You see the whole sequence after that, and you see, you see like yeah. the Japanese person. The stranger is terrified. <clears throat> he's he's in, instead of like standing his ground as he does in the first two sequences, even as the cop kills his, Jungu kills the dog. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't stand his ground. He actually starts running. Then he hides, and then he like he even cries after they kind of walk away. 
The Japanese guy. Yeah. Yeah. The stranger it, cries. And also, it's like, uh, they talk about, like, what the father's sin was at the end. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the sin was, like, killing an innocent person, which would have been, like, the yeah. Japanese guy there. Yep. And so, yeah. maybe it's when he gets killed that he gets repossessed or something like that. That's my guess. But they never explain how, the why did the, does the Japanese person, the stranger, fall and why is the woman in white standing there looking, overlooking? So that's that's another, I think, on-purpose misdirection, which makes you not sure whether she's good or bad in the first viewing, at least. Makes sense, makes sense. Okay. Sorry for spelling it out so well. I hope the our no, no. users know that this is going to be spoilers. Well, <laughs> Too <and> late. <laughs> They're screwed. Um, okay, well, let's use this as a chance also to talk about um, so the shaman, uh, played by Huang Jung-min, what yeah. did you think of um, that performance? I mean, all performances were great. He uh, he does a good job of being like a like a he, he he does a good job of being like a confident guy uh, right from the beginning, but then gradually goes weird and mm-hmm. and, and un I would say unreliable. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. And then he also runs away. He tries to drive away in his car. Um, he gets crapped on. Yeah. <laughs> um, locusts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what were your thoughts of his uh, performance? And <clears throat> I, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. And he is actually the most famous performer, I believe, on this. Uh, so he's kind of like, uh, even though he's not playing the lead, um, mm-hmm. uh, Huang Jung-min, uh, he's, uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he is the lead in usually most films and he probably would have been like, if you just looked at the cast list, you probably would have assumed that, that he is, um, like the leading character here. Exactly. He tell, doesn't show up until halfway through the film. Basically. Exactly. So, um, like, but if you just knew the cast and nothing else, you would probably assume that you're going to be following him throughout most of the film. Yeah. Um, much more of your traditional, uh, like handsome, thinner leading man type, uh, compared to, uh. Uh, our actual lead uh, so yeah and I think he's good yeah, he does a good job with like the physical aspects of it uh, mm-hmm. just like he's got to vomit and stuff uh, at the end he's got to like beat the drum oh yeah and, that the vomiting stuff was intense right and, like the way he yeah the nosebleed and vomit and all at the same time yeah yeah he that gets great scene. A, a very intense nosebleed uh, there at the end um, so yeah, I, I really um, I thought his performance was good, and I thought like that that sort of exorcism scene is the thing that sort of like glues me back to the screen, mm-hmm. and like the film keeps up that intensity because you just think about each scene after that, and it's like a banger after banger. Whereas like yeah. then they go up to the Japanese guy's place, and it's that scene we're yeah. talking about, oh and it's God. not that far off from the conclusion. Yeah. So for me, it really uh, tears me back into it um, too. Uh, if you think about it too, uh, the three acts of this film, I saw it put this way. The first mm-hmm. act is like more of like the humor. We're getting introduced to the setting. Mm-hmm. We have like his buddy cop who disappears for most of the film, uh, who yeah. we find out later was also possessed yeah. um, and kills his family. Uh, second act uh, was like the exorcism. Third act, it's more of like the demon play uh, where we go to the conclusion and stuff like that and it, it fills it out. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about these three were there some that worked better for you than others uh, on this rewatch or do you think they're all pretty great I think uh, they all worked really well I think um, I I would not 
this movie would not be the same without either of the acts missing, right? And um, I don't know if I have more to say. I just, I now that I read it, the way you've placed it, it totally makes sense, but that's probably not how I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And just because there's so much going on throughout the movie, but this totally makes sense. What are you... What are your thoughts and what about the acts? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think I kind of agree with you. It's a little more muddled than your normal movie where you can maybe, like, break those down a little bit easier. easier. Um, and I think that's one of the things I like about the film is it just sort of keeps you off balance throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for me, at least, uh, the second and the third act, I, I found to be a little more... Um, they, they resonated with me just a little bit more this mm-hmm. time. Um, and maybe that's because I kind of knew what was coming in the first act and stuff like that. But, uh, like, mm-hmm. right when you get the shaman coming in, it really, like, amps up the energy. Mm-hmm. And, like, by the time you get to that third act, it's just, like, so tense moment after tense moment. And, uh, yeah, it's, like, this is a very, um, this film is pretty relentless yeah. in, in, in how it does it. So, yeah. um, uh, I actually like the first act. I'm kind of opposite than you, and I like the first act more, and I like the, the humor in the, <laughs> the first act a lot more. And just how the how Junggu kind of gets to show his like meek side or his weird side and, and, and still like, you know, get people to kind of care for him. The way he just has these weird dreams and wakes up all shaking. <laughs> or or where his daughter like his fa- the father daughter relationship that we see and stuff. Um, second and third act are amazing. They keep you on the edge of the seat the whole time. Uh, Especially if we consider that the like the visiting up on the mountains the third time with five people on five or six people to and and actually instead of the stranger they get the zombie uh it was i think I found that a little bit funny, but then it goes intense pretty quick as they yeah they uh, they the five people or six people are just so completely uh out of their depth and trying to uh tackle this just one really horribly afflicted zombie and uh yeah chaos ensues pretty it's pretty amazing yeah each time they go up to the japanese person stuff it's like shit does not go well yeah it goes crazy it gets crazier and crazier yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um yeah i really like that scene too each time they go to the japanese person i'm like all right buckle in yeah. It's like it's you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like this the time they get attacked by the dog, or is it this time? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's fair enough. I think the reason the first act maybe uh, was a little bit less is just because I kind of knew um, what had happened. Yeah. This being like the third or fourth time I've seen it, um, so I was a little yeah. more familiar with it. Uh, I think it's very well done. Completely necessary to have that act and that information there uh, to have a enjoyable movie. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, How do you like? Uh, uh, this will probably be the last performer we talk about. Um, the Japanese, uh, played by Jun Kunimura, who is, um, I don't know if you recognized him, but he's a Yakuza, Yakuza boss in Kill Bill. Um, he's also in a bunch of Japanese films. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I haven't watched Kill Bill's as well as properly. And so I didn't, I didn't know he was in Kill Bill. He was in a recent movie that I watched called Kate on netflix oh yeah yeah and, he was uh, I, I saw that too yeah he was also a yakuza boss i think he's seems like a very prolific actor uh i think he does a great job uh he's amazing he's badass like throughout the obviously they it seems like they do some cgi stuff with him like uh, yeah, yeah i think so uh moving around and stuff but 
overall man he is terrifying at the end the way he just like pulls his arm out of his uh out of the sack or whatever he's covering his body with and like to show the priest oh my god i'm terrified even before he like transforms himself into the devil um yeah yeah so he and he speaks very little dialogue yeah because uh, it's different yeah. language so yeah. yeah and he he has to do this complex job of of showing you know that these are the times he's possessed and then these are the times he's not possessed and right right uh yeah it's it's very interesting yeah yeah if jun kunimura starts crawling up on me with the diaper on oh my god i'm getting the fuck out i'm just that's all i'm <laughs> gonna say it's like it's like i don't care if he's got the red eyes red eyes normal eyes black eyes brown eyes I'm out. I'm I mean, I'm like, that, that guy, I mean, he's probably like 70 years old now. I'm, I'm not I'm not going anywhere near him. I see uh, you do have diaper written on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you want to discuss <laughs> diaper-related things here? <laughs> well, I mean, for me at least, that was my first clue. Uh, I remember... Uh, the shaman? Like that both the shaman and the Japanese guy uh, are wearing sort of that same loincloth slash diaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to ask you what would happen if I just like yank off my sweatpants and I'm wearing the same diaper. How fast are you leaving? Or are you sticking around to find out what happens? With you, I'm okay. <laughs> With you, you sure? I'm okay. You're not yeah. worried I'm the devil? No. no, no. <laughs> okay. James and diaper is just, that's the time you yank out your camera, right? Just like the devil. <laughs> okay. Well, I know what I'm uh, sending you a picture of uh, tonight. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Roman Roy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, um, that that was a subtle succession reference. In case. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> great show, great show. Uh, but the thing I like about the performance that uh, Kunimura, John Kunimura gives is it's just very he understates it all. He's not like in your face about it, and it's just like this very subtle, unsettling performance that he does. It's like uh, he's not like screaming or anything like that, yeah. and it's just like slow tense and just very very creepy yeah. um and i think he uh i mean that's kind of his acting style and i think it pulls it off uh pretty well yeah he's also supposed to be mostly sort of <clears throat> behind the scenes right like he's not directly acting uh one-on-one but rather more solo acting right like the the ex- exorcism scene that we see just supposed to be all by himself not playing off of other people right right yeah i mean i wonder how he uh acted too i mean he can literally only speak to one character in the film who is the priest that speaks japanese so mm-hmm. it's interesting um mm-hmm. yeah i mean and he's so good in that last scene where he's just like oh you think i might be the devil and you think and you came here to kill me <laughs> and it's just like yeah this was a terrible idea what were you thinking <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. he just starts taking pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the of the priest. Like, yeah, you think you can leave? So you're telling me if I yank off all my clothes and I'm just in the loincloth and I whip out my my Polaroid, not an iPhone, Polaroid, oh. and start taking pictures of you? Oh man, you're sticking around. I'm still sticking around, man. Dang. You don't have the right camera. <laughs> it's supposed to be a Milton or something like that. Okay, what if I had the right camera? There we go. Then I'm running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. If June Kunimara is doing a, a, a FaceTime with you. I'm running. I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. I just it's did like, the uh, uh, the cameo. I just had to record a message for me. What's this? Are you are you holding my shoe, James? Is that, <laughs> are you putting a hex on me? I'm going. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And then stole your glasses or something. <laughs> steal my glasses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think you helped um, actually clarify this film in, as far as making sense, too. It's like, because yeah. there's a lot of points there where I was like, is the Japanese guy unpossessed here? Because uh, there's like definitely parts where he acts way more human than human. And I think yeah. the way you explained it uh, helps that. So I appreciate that research that you put in there. Because um, that was kind of like one of my things. And like thinking about it the way you put it, uh, it comes together a lot more cleanly in terms of like uh, who is possessed and sort of like the plot mechanics of the film. Right. <clears throat> uh, one one character that's understated is the the woman in white, mysterious woman, or Mu Myung, is supposed to be her name. Um, it's uh, she has she doesn't have that much on screen time. What do you think of her? I, I don't know if you had that on there, but I, did not, I didn't but, see that. But, but let's do it, yeah. yeah. Um, she's like, I would say she's surprisingly important character, um, despite the low on-screen time, and how, again, she also sort of does her thing mostly off-screen. You don't see her uh, take any actions. Like, she's you don't know she's the one who killed the raven, but you kind of assume that by the end of it, you kind of assume a bunch of different things around those things. I think she's good. Uh, I mean, and she, like Jun Kunimura, needs to work mainly by herself um, in the sense that she's just like solo effort. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, she's some sort of a supernatural entity too. Mm -hmm. And I think she's particularly good when she's like trying to convince uh, uh, Jonggu Jung to uh, stick around uh, mm -hmm. and not do that and like where she grabs his hand and stuff like that uh yeah very understated performance like you said um but she that kind of gives it like the gravitas that you need because like if you're playing a supernatural being you gotta act like a little different and i think mm -hmm. she does a good job with that yeah i i really loved her acting and i just i wanted to see more of her on screen but i know that the 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 mystery of of her would would kind of disappear if you if we continued to see her more frequently um i just loved how she you know she would like she the very first time we see her she's like sitting there throwing rocks at jonggu and then the way she just casually enters the burnt house and tells jonggu about things um how she doesn't directly uh say anything but only provides hints uh, and throughout that, I think she she shows a really like in a way I feel like like I care for her, but she's still just a little bit weird, right? And that that sure. plays really well into the ending, right? Yeah, yeah. And where where Jung Gu is supposed to like he would it would only work if he trusted her, right? And and he kind of trusts her, but kind of not. Yeah. It like needs to right. be the exact right level of ambiguity. And I think it's like at the moment where he sees that she also has like an object of his or of like his daughter's that he's like, yeah. oh, I don't trust her. Yeah. Um, In fact, he's he notices more things like right. the sweater that she's wearing than the jacket that she's wearing under the sweater. They also belong to other victims, mm -hmm. and specifically other people who have been possessed. Right. Not not the people who have been killed by the possessed. Right. Right. And you know, it's ambiguous enough too that like. There could be like an alternate interpretation where she is indeed the bad person, bad thing in the movie, yes. and it's actually uh, the shaman and the Japanese guy that are good. That being said, the Japanese guy becoming the devil at the end is very obvious. Like I think you could you could see that she's also 
in the scheme, I would never say that she like the Japanese and the shaman are not not bad. Yeah, so it could be all three. They all just get in the van together with all their their photos and just uh, drive away to the next town. Potentially, like she's there while they're there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, then you don't really know why the stranger died, <coughs> except that she push it, push it. Maybe she pushes the stranger off after he's unpossessed on the in front of the car. Like she's looking down right then. Yeah, yeah. No, the stranger is like. I mean, the implication I got, and this is before you sort of gave that big explanation to me, was that I thought she pushed him down onto the car. And that's then, what I thought, and that's what gave me the like confusion too. Right, right. But at the end, she's like giving Jonggu shit for actually having killed the Japanese guy in the end. Right. And so, uh, I don't know, it's ambiguous, because you don't see her push uh, Kunamara off, it's just implied. Yeah. So. I think maybe we're just supposed to assume that she keeps chasing him to try to console him or help him out, like, she right. understands him, but the guy falls off the cliff. But, yeah. unfortunately, I mean, the, the, the area, the way it's structured, right, like, you go from jungle to uh, suddenly a cliff on the highway, and that just... That added a little bit more to the confusion, which is probably a good thing, so that it doesn't right. just obviously play out for you. Yeah, and it, honestly, it's like, if you have not figured out by now, this film, if you like everything spelled out to a T, this is very intentionally ambiguous. Yeah. It, like, is not trying to spell it out exactly what happens. And I think that's part of the appeal for at least me on this film, is the fact that it is, like, it gives you this, like, very unsettling feeling even if you don't totally understand absolutely everything going on, even but I think that's by design that you don't understand everything going yes. on. Yeah, yeah. And people, you can have different interpretations than I do. Uh, this is just how I. Saw yeah, it. you just have the correct one. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I also wanted to real quickly touch on um, just the look of the film, uh, which I was also a big fan of. Uh, yes. Cinematographer Hong Kyung Po who uh, uh-huh. has done a few different films. Um, the Wailing, obviously. Uh, Snowpiercer is another one he did. Uh, he also did Parasite most recently, so he has lensed Ooh. a lot of uh, pretty high-quality Korean films. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What did you think of kind of um, the, the look and feel of the film? It was amazing. It was beautiful. The way they... The way they uh, show, show the town... And the, and you know the name of the town is supposed to be Gokseong, right? Hmm. And so the actual title of the film is supposed to be Gokseong in, in South Korea. So title. The, so it's the city or the town yeah. they're in. Okay, yeah, yeah. Apparently this is the town that Na Hong Jin, uh, the director, spent his childhood in. Or some parts of his childhood in. Yeah. And her, his grandmother lived there apparently. Hope it's not a, a true story. <laughs> it's not but there's some relation we can go into that or we can okay. just ignore that i don't know a whole lot either uh but um i thought i thought it was amazing the, the way they captured the town and like i felt like they the way it's like raining at times but it's so beautiful and green and Gokxiang is supposed to mean whale okay so there's like a duality in the title too and uh like or the additional meaning in the title too hmm i um, see interesting yeah, I don't. Okay, I, 
I just really enjoyed the look and feel the town, the the town or the the area and the way they capture it. Right, right. They did. Yeah. They do a great job. I mean, it just feels very real. Um, like the rain, like you talked about. There's like many scenes where it just feels like the rain is like overbearing down on you. Um, mm-hmm. Like intense amounts of green, and we see like it, it has a lot of like these setup shots of like these really beautiful like mountainsides and stuff. And like we constantly feel sort of like that incline of there. There's like there's a lot of scenes that are just filmed on like inclines. Like we saw see people fall down the hills and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like when they go up to the Japanese person's place, it's always like a big trek up this. It has a pretty incredible um, sense of like uh, look and feel. So I I thought um, uh, good job uh, by the cinematographer and director um, in in um, doing this stuff. It was a very beautiful film to watch actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, Na Hong Jin, you mentioned him earlier. He's the director of this film. I'm surprised it's taken this long to even get to him. Yeah. Um, this is his third film. Uh, he's done two other films. I don't know if you've seen either of the other ones, The Chaser and Yellow Sea. I've seen The Chaser. Oh, you yeah. uh, know. Okay. But it's been a long, long time. Uh, I think I remember very, like, kind of vague things about it. Yeah. And it was good, but... No, I think nowhere near as good as The Wailing. Okay. I'm a big fan of The Chaser, too. I, I think it's a really good film, too. Um, but yeah, this one's very good. Uh, the Chaser, if you remember, it's like about like the pimp uh, that's like trying to catch the serial killer. Right. And the, and the, the pimp's kind of, supposed to be a cop. I, I ex, just read up on it. Yeah, ex-cop. Okay. Yeah, uh, it'd be a very corrupt cop if they're a current cop and a pimp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and it's a very dark, in-your-face uh, physical film, too. That uh, and Yellow Sea is kind of similar. It's okay. a little longer, and it's just I like I feel like the amount of like realism and physicality that he puts in his films is very. Uh, I don't know. It's very strong. It's like it's y- people are chasing each other. Uh, it's like th- it's just like the exorcism and stuff like that. It just feels like a sort of like visceral physical experience that you're just getting beaten down by like this uh, <laughs> this like sensorial visuals and like sound and stuff like that so i really mm-hmm. like that about um his work um okay well yeah. we can we can keep going um all right so um i think that's most of my main talking points wanted to uh just kind of open up the doors to talk about uh, a couple different scenes that we mm-hmm. might be interested in yeah um so yeah i mean every time they visit the japanese person's house it's like shit goes down uh <laughs> so the first time they go uh the dog breaks loose and they yeah. find the photos and like they see i think bones and stuff uh oh yeah that, yeah it's intense uh they see like a lot of like deer heads decomposed deer heads on the one side in a shrine and then there's another shrine with a lot of pictures and, and candles. Uh, two sides of a, like a mini hut or something like that, right? Right, right. And then like the photos you have like literally before the person, like while the person's still alive and well. And then you almost have like the crime scene photos. So he's like, he's getting like the before and after. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, something. And then you also see him on the crime scene, right? So he's... Somebody's taking those pictures. Right, right, right. We don't see him taking the picture necessarily, but yeah. Yeah, and so meanwhile, while we're discovering all this too, there's like multiple things going on because like the dog is also uh, breaking loose at the same time. Yeah. And it's like a very nasty looking dog. Like I would not want to be attacked by that dog. Yeah. Um, and it just like uh, attacks, uh, who does it attack initially? The priest, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. The priest and Jonggu, they're both out there, and then they both jump back in. And Jonggu's partner 
is in the room and he is looking at those uh, those pictures and just like terrified. Yeah, he's, he's just he, he doesn't even give heed to the dog barking and attacking them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, how'd you like uh, that scene? It was a good scene. <laughs> it was a really good scene. Um, I think all these scenes, like you said, there's a lot of physicality uh, that you talked about with the director. Um, lots of lots of action, uh, but very... Like, all these scenes show how just inadequate these cops or these people are and how real these people are, right? And they're not like these perfect badass killers uh, and yet simple people. They're just very inadequate uh, and... and that I think that adds to the intensity. It does um, for like sure. They're they're yeah. terrified while they're still confronting the Japanese person. Yeah, yeah. It's like in comparison, I watched The Exorcist recently again, and I don't know if you've seen The Exorcist. Um, I saw it as a kid, as a twelve-year-old kid, and I am terrified <laughs> for life, so I'll never watch it again. Okay, it's not. I mean, it won't be as scary if you ever watch it. But anyways, it's yeah. like so. Like you think about the characters there, and it's like American films. We like to show very competent people yeah. and it's like the exorcist has like father Marin, who is like like mm -hmm. he's done exorcisms before and stuff like that mm -hmm. in in this film they're just way over their head the yeah. whole time i yeah. mean like honestly like a soul cop from like the big city would yeah. probably be over their head too i mean they're against the freaking devil maybe yeah. uh in this film but uh like these are not even close to a soul cop these are these people are very over the head uh but right. somehow you still care i mean it's it's like you're not just like making fun of them the whole time. Um, True. The next time they go to uh, the Japanese house, somehow uh, the dog gets even worse, uh, and like Jonggu ends up killing the dog. And it's like kind of this weird scene because like killing a dog is like one of like the no nos in films. Like you're yeah. not supposed to do it. Yeah. Uh, like Anchorman, they killed the dog originally in the original cut, and people hated it. And then they just got rid of the dog kill, and people. We're way more okay with it. Anchorman, the comedy movie? Yeah, the Will Ferrell movie. Oh, really? So killing dog is like a no-no in a movie. Right, and right. You're not supposed to do it because people hate it. People really... Yeah. People don't like it when you kill other people. People don't like it when you kill children. But people really don't like it when you kill the dogs. So uh, this film, they kill the dog. But it's the devil's dog. It's true. It is the devil's dog. And, yeah. and it, it's very much self-defense. Uh, the way that the dog yeah. does die, but it does give you like this weird feeling of like kind of sadness where you're just like yeah. you don't see it happen, but you just like look at like the Japanese guys and sort of blank expression and stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of sad. You definitely feel like something much worse is gonna happen. Yeah, and it, it does happen. The Japanese guy then kills a goat. <laughs> yeah, and and hangs it in in, in front of John Goo's house. Yeah, losers, animals in this. <laughs> well, everyone loses in this film in, in a way. Uh, I, well, I, it's implied that the Japanese guy or the stranger kills the goat, but somebody kills a goat and puts it in front that, of their house. It would make more sense because like that's pre shaman too, so we yeah. haven't even seen the shaman at that point. Yep, <clears throat> that that gets that's the trigger to bring the shaman on screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I like that scene, too. I think probably my favorite uh, scene where they go up to Japanese per person is the one we were talking about earlier, where there are, like, five of them, and they mm -hmm. come up, and th we get the zombie attack and stuff like that. Uh, the exorcism, we kind of already talked about that, so yeah. we can skip beyond that. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the vigilante scene, where they just basically go up, and they're going to fuck up the Japanese guy. Basically, I think yeah. their intent is to kill him. Um, and... Uh, yeah. 
it's like a really interesting scene because you're conflicted because you don't really want to root for vigilantes, but at the same time, you really get it. It's like these people are trying to do what they can to protect their families, in particular, Jonggu, who's really trying to protect his daughter. And it's mm-hmm. like, what can he think of to do? And then it's like, now that the exorcism has uh, failed, is like, yeah. this is like the only thing he can do. We, and we have a reasonable doubt that the stranger is a bad person. Like, yeah. somehow he's negative, right? He's either the devil or he's possessed or something. Except... Something's up with him. Yeah. Yeah. And and except, like, the, the exorcism scene is not... You're not sure what's happening, right? Uh, you can you can piece it together afterwards, but if you're watching it first time, you don't know what's happening, and so you're like, what the heck happened here? And then instead of the vigilantes uh, running into the stranger, they run into the 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 person in the van who was also possessed before, who's uh, basically been reanimated as a zombie. Yeah, and yeah. he is. Just he won't die. Yeah. The, like the, oh man, it was amazing. The the amount of things they throw at him. They they hit him with a big rock on his head. It's like a rake Nothing. in his head. There's at one a point. rake in his head. They hit him with a shovel. Yeah. Oh my God! Nothing kills the guy. He he bites off someone's cheek. cheek. He, the priest he bites off yeah, the priest's yeah, yeah. cheek. Okay. Uh, while priest is like, "Hey, man, you can't do this," and just like, "Oh my god." Yeah, I, yeah. The priest actually just gets fucked every single time. <laughs> priest gets screwed over every single time. He's like the first time, the second time, he gets attacked by the dogs. <laughs> the dog. I think they get attacked by the dog the second time. He's there with him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. He goes up third time. He gets bitten on the cheek, and then the fourth time he goes up, he's. Yeah, yeah, basically yeah. dies. I mean, it's sort of interesting the way they do that. Uh, you can certainly think of it fairly symbolically, the way they show, like, Christianity, which seems, like, very impotent against, like, these things. It's like the priest, mm-hmm. as you said, gets screwed over. When they do talk to, like, a higher-up priest, he's basically like, uh, just trust the doctors, and basically doesn't have an answer of what they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is kind of interesting um, the way that uh, they do show sort of the priest there. <laughs> but yes, right. the priest gets screwed over many a time. Right, right. Yeah. Um, um, but that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the the way the chaos ensues. So yeah. Really, it goes really fast from one thing to the next to the next. Right, the right. Thing. And it's just so interesting to all of these scenes because you have such, like this scene as well as the exorcism, is you have, you're conflicted too. It's like you're really not sure what you want to happen. Um, as far as like what is your desired outcome it's like what should the characters be doing you just don't know because uh, you're working with imperfect information as well and <clears throat> you're not really sure who is good who's bad like should they be doing this vigilante thing and yeah I mean and in the end the vigilante thing does seem to work it's like uh, Hyojin seems to improve after they uh, uh, perform the coup de gras on the Japanese guy and toss him off the cliff that's how we see it. That's how we see it, which is not correct. But yeah, actually, it gets it. That's the turning point to making things work for worse for Junghoo and his family. Yeah. Uh, Do you have an interpretation on uh, that? Yeah, because the right at the end of the scene, they right. kill uh, the stranger. Yeah. And then they throw him off the cliff, and then immediately after that, you see the shaman looking over uh, into the mountains, and he goes the the rat has taken the bait or something he he says that line where 
like essentially they've or the rat has been captured in the trap or right, something right. like that basically and so the next thing you after that what you see is you see you see Hyojin get better except that part had nothing to do with her getting better in, in fact it's whatever they did is going to affect them a little bit after mm-hmm. and so so why does she get better do you have any any idea she gets better because they interrupt the exorcism the exorcism oh so they misinterpret the, it yeah exorcism okay. is actually meant to be her killing because she's already killed the neighbors the person in neighbor so she's already corrupted uh-huh and now she's possessed which means you need to kill her and then they can reap her soul i see uh except the except Jonggu uh stops the killing uh stops her killing yeah so and it's so, so funny cuz it's like the exorcism so, interrupting that was the best thing they could do yeah. but they don't see it that way they think they failed and then like killing the japanese guy was the wrong thing to do because they took her to the hospital right. it takes some amount of time for them to yeah yeah for her to recover interesting it's a very yeah, yeah. yeah confusing point for yeah 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 interesting well it adds a greater text to to for sure yeah. i mean uh, you also reminded me too with that comment of like the the bait it's yeah. like the initial scene the very first scene we see yep. of the film is the japanese person putting a worm on a on a uh like his hook yep and uh going fishing yep yep there's also the like jungu throughout this movie is trying to make sense of like why is this happening and who is who is doing this and that's this movie in a sense is a is a vehicle for nahong jing to answer something similar that had happened in his personal life so there's a like a additional dimensionality where people in his life had apparently died so Interesting. i don't know a lot more about that i i can't imagine what it could be i yeah. mean this movie is pretty fucking wild on all the it's, shit that happened so, so uh so i that makes like me very his, curious uh, unraveling of his thoughts and and coming out in as as this movie is probably just amazing yeah um, for sure yeah as, yeah as he does yeah um okay well yeah i mean i don't i wanted to bring this up too just because uh yeah i don't know it's kind of interesting just in the context of his career uh since this film he has not directed a film but he actually did produce a uh, found footage film set in thailand called the medium which i saw earlier this year uh-huh. that was just released and it's similarly um, kind of uh, based off of a lot of like rituals and stuff like that. Uh, it's done kind of in like that found footage style. Um, so he didn't direct this, but he did produce it. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it's a good movie. I don't think it's as good as The Wailing in terms of like atmosphere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of like rituals and darkness, and uh, it, it tends to be a very bleak film too um, on mm-hmm. on stuff going on. So. Definitely worth checking out if you like sort of like these rural set um, uh, thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Definitely looks intense. The atmosphere is dark. Yeah. Based on the... And I'm looking at the pictures on IMDb. For yeah. The media. And you can almost see like the visual link too, can't you? From just like the poster. It's like yep. rain and like rain. this heavily wooded area. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but set in Thailand, so it, it feels somewhat different at least as far as that stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, um, and then the last scene, which we've touched on, I don't know if we've totally covered, 
um, is uh, the finale and how he's like given this like really impossible choice uh, mm-hmm. between uh, basically cho- trusting the woman in white and just not going back to his home uh, where she has supposedly set a trap or she tells him she set a trap or listening to the shaman who he has on the phone that's saying don't listen to her um, go back you need to go home. back to your home right now right um, and it makes me think of all the things that you've said throughout our conversation and how like it you would totally perceive that the woman in white is not the good but rather she's tricking him mm-hmm. and and like if I were the father I think I'm very emotional and I, I would have definitely done what Jung-Goo did and be in a in a really bad place like your daughter would have killed you <laughs> probably and, and the rest of the family <laughs> which I, I don't have a daughter <laughs> but yeah um, um, I don't know like I, I think what would you have done if you were in that spot? It's such an impossible decision. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, at that time, you're like, I, at that time, I'm like, trust the woman in white, trust the woman in white. Yeah. So my, my natural inclination is to trust the woman in white, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's there a really go. impossible choice. So. You would have made the right choice then. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, I guess that you would have made the right choice. I always think of you as very uh, analytical, and I'm very emotional. I don't, so I don't my guess would have been that you would have made the right choice. Well, who knows? Uh, I hope I don't have to ever make that choice. <laughs> that's um, also true. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough choice that that Junggu is dealt. So what what's your choice for a favorite scene? Uh, I'm guessing the uh, the time they go up to the Japanese house with the five of them. The third time, yeah, where okay. where they where they encounter that's my most favorite scene. Okay, how I'm, about you? I'm gonna go Exorcism. I think that scene's really good, and I just like it. It just sort of like kind of halfway through the film is just like beats you over the head and you're like wake the fuck up you're, yeah. you're, you're gonna you're gonna be paying attention to this film to the yeah. end yeah and that scene actually also has a lot of like like we talked about it's it's very confusing like you you don't know what to think what's happening and so you really have to uh, analyze and think over and over again of that scene to to try to make sense of it right right for sure yeah, yeah. I mean a lot of the scenes really I mean like kind of everything exorcism and beyond you can reinterpret and then reinterpret too once you kind of know who are the goods and the bads right um yeah <clears throat> i mean i'd say a runner-up would be the the final exposition yeah of, it's, it's of, really good too yeah it's, yeah the the pacing of it the the slowness and still the the dread as as the as they as you find out like oh what the hell there's another tunnel and then the priest like you're, you're, the whole time you're going like priest, you're fucking insane. Just don't go in the tunnel, go home. In fact, leave the fucking town. Don't ever think about this. Leave the fucking country. Don't ever come back. Change your name. You know. Yeah. Get plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. just. I mean, you know. this this film does like some incredible jobs of just like several things going on at the same time because it's like that's getting cross cut with the with uh, the uh, choice that our lead has to make as far as going yeah. home. Yeah. And just like, ah, there's a lot going on. It's just like, it, and it holds and it just makes everything collectively more tense and, and like the stakes in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, that is most of what I have. Um, winners and losers. I have uh, an obvious loser. This is a joke. The uh, poultry and just, uh, the, the chickens. <laughs> the chickens. The chickens are definitely losers. They, they're, they're used in both the rituals and <laughs> I don't know if very many chickens survive there. 
Um, I think birds uh, in general. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they interrupted the ritual just in time for the uh, goats to be saved, but uh, the chickens, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, who would be the losers? Uh, people in in Gokseng? Gokseong? Oh my god! Uh, yeah. Uh, whatever Although, the, like, wh- whatever in the, the real happened. world, I would like, if I ever go to South Korea, just for the heck of it, I would want to visit Gokseong now. Yeah, but you'd, like, have a backup plan. You'd be like, all yeah. right, if someone starts convulsing me, yeah. I'm getting out. I'm going to <laughs> Gokseong County. You see diapers, you're like, GTFO, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you see, like, a guy walking around in a diaper, you're like, yeah. Another loser, uh, whatever the heck happened to Nahong Jin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the man, like, surely very conflicted. Yeah. But then is able to find a very creative outlet to show his feelings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who would you say are the winners? Or winner? Uh, I, I think anyone who made the film. I mean, I thought, uh, who's the lead actor again? Um, Kwok Do Wan. Yeah. Great job. Um, pretty much all the performers. Um, I mean, the production quality, as we've talked about, is really good too. Like mm-hmm. the way that people die, the way that like bodily fluids are like blood and stuff is shown. I think mm-hmm. it's really, really well done. It's just like there's a lot of like craft that went on to uh, making mm-hmm. this film really effective. And it's like we talk about this film. It's high budget for Korea, but low budget for Hollywood. And I think it holds up really well in like the look and, and feel of the film. It does. Um... Yeah, I, I I almost agree. I don't know if I have a very different take. I would just... I'd want to see... I'd almost want to see Kwatawan as Jungu more. It's, uh-huh. it's weird. Like, I would love to see him in similar characters and portray portray that more. I would almost like just Jungu's life in like a 12-pipe... 12-episode uh, series. <laughs> You'd watch that? I would watch that. I, I had a great All right, time. Netflix, here, there's your, there's your there's idea. There's your idea. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. before he died, yeah. the family dies. Um, and I think... Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm with you on all of it. Like, the movie was just fantastic. Yeah. Everyone that in, that's involved in it. Yeah. Um, no, another winner, uh, whoever is selling the chickens made some good money. Uh, yeah. And uh, the devil... Yeah. Um, the winner would be like maybe the horror genre, like pretty pretty unique horror sure. film. Yeah. I don't know if I have seen anything like this. I think horror. it's pretty one of a kind. I mean, it's like yeah. part like maybe the closest thing I could think of is like The Exorcist, but mm-hmm. The Exorcist has is a lot less complex as far as stuff going on mm-hmm. uh, than this film. It's a lot tighter, and you kind of know what the stakes are. Mm-hmm. This film is a puzzle. Um, it's like if the if Memories of Murder and the Exorcist had a baby. <laughs> That'd be a very unholy baby. And that's kind of what this film is. It's a very uh, unholy film. It's uh, it's like, it's got like Western religion, it's got Eastern religion, it's got exorcisms, it's got a little bit of everything. It's pretty great. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. um, any last words, Mead? I think that just about uh, wraps it up uh, for this Category 3. Um. Christianity, what would you think? And like, there's a, like, it's interesting that they quote the, one of the verses from Luke Mm -hmm. and like, there's obvious play at religion, uh, or or reference to religion in different religions. 
Um, I was all very confused. I don't like that xenophobia. Uh, it was just it confused me completely. I think I think the movie is not xenophobic. I think like once you start interpreting that right the bad things are happening to Jungu's family because he has a suspicion because of the person being Japanese right and right. that he kills and does bad things to him that makes me think that it's not right that and, that makes and it, especially if you think that the Japanese person was possessed and not right, the right. devil right yeah like, but that interpretation too like the Japanese person being possessed which right. makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. uh, then it, you, it reads very differently. It's almost like yeah. they want they're they're sort of choosing him deliberately, the Japanese guy, to be this person because they know uh, the the evil forces at work know there's going to be sort of like a xenophobic reaction from like this rural Korean community. They're not going to trust the outsider, and they're automatically going to uh, not give the benefit of the doubt to the uh, to uh, John Kunimura. Um, so it almost. Um, makes the film even richer as far as like playing that xenophobic angle where mm -hmm. it's like not xenophobic and it's sort of like recognizing the xenophobia in the uh mm -hmm. in the community yeah that's a very uh interesting line to toe and i think it's <clears throat> it's risky but i think it they do a good job of of moving it forward right right yeah 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 uh okay Great. Well, this has been uh, the Category Three podcast. What do we have coming up next? And we should, uh, we should, yeah, we should share what we'll do next, which is Casino Royale, the James Bond film with yeah. Daniel Craig, the sequel to The Wailing. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig versus The Wailing, and the and the prequel to The Exorcist. There we go. <laughs> Talking about a weird unholy child. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah. We'll talk to everyone then. Yeah. Cheerio. Cheerio, mate. Good day.